Here's what Karen kind of told us last week for those of you that uh, heard her message. Uh, she shared four things. Uh, first one was that she said, if, God, if we're going to allow God to fight for us, we must believe God. I mean, you got to know that. You, anybody in here believe God? Let me just start by saying that. I mean, sure enough, believe God. Don't fool me, y'all. Come on, just say amen. Make, make some noise if you believe God. Yeah. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, we, we must believe God. You must know who he is because it's a call to you and not to the group. Secondly, she said, if we're going to allow God to fight for us, our lifestyle must reflect that God is truly with us. I really, really like that point as Karen kind of fleshed that out. One of the things she was saying there is that Gideon, in leading the armies to go fight for the Lord, said that um, he told the people, follow me. Are you, you kind of get that? With leadership thing, which meant that he had to have such a walk with God so as not to lead people astray and lead them wrong, down a wrong path. And as he followed them, led them, he went to where God would have them to be. So make sure that your lifestyle is, is reflective of the fact that God is with you. Go to the next one. Um, if we can go there. In order to be delivered, she said, we must understand that although the battle is the Lord, God uses us so we can know who he is. I'm going to play off that last phrase for a little bit on today. If you pay attention to some of the things that I'm going to say, God uses us so that we can know who he is. Okay? It's my, it might sound something like this. When God does what God does through you, it's not about you, but it's about him. Come on, say amen, y'all. Come on, yeah. It's not about you, but it's about him. Does that make sense? Okay. And then <laughs> the last one, when God, when God delivers us, then he is revealed to those around us. People will see who God is. So we're going to talk to that. Go to the next slide. Kind of walk through here. So here's where I'm going today. Be careful of who, where, and what you worship. Important statement. Be careful of who, you guys got that? Where, meaning location, and what you worship. If you're not cautious of these three things, we could potentially find ourselves just like the Israelites did in the time when, of the judges and find ourselves defecting. I want you all to hear me carefully for my walk with God. So be careful of who, be careful of where, and be careful of what you worship. So go to the next slide. Here's kind of my big idea. I want y'all to get this. So get this in your spirit. Praising the wrong person, worshiping the wrong thing always results in people turning away from God. So repeat that after me. Say praising the wrong person, worshiping the wrong thing results in people turning away from God. Let me give you an example of this, and I'm going to go into the message. You ever seen people that the pastor messes up and they stop going to church? Here's how they say it. Bunch of hypocrites, I ain't going back no more. They were praising the wrong person. They were worshiping the wrong thing. And the result was they turned away. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Does this, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so, so be cautious, be cautious, be cautious of that to get to where God would have us to go. We don't want to miss that. We want to stay focused on God. So as we kind of go into the text, um, let me pick up here. I'm in chapter 8. Um, I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 22. 
I'm going to skip the issue with the, um, the Israelites, with, with Gideon having to deal with the tribe of Ephraim and them not being invited to the warfare. I'm going to skip all of that. You can read that on your own. And I'm going to invite you to read the, the following story because it's, it's extremely interesting. I think it's Abimelech, Gideon's son, kind of steps up to the plate and what he does. But here's what you need to know by way of literary context today. At the time of the text, the battle had already been won. Come on, say amen. This is important stuff. The battle had already been won, like Karen said, right, with a little jar with a light in it and a trumpet. Come on, what kind, of, what kind of weaponry is that? The battle had already been won. The Israelites are now back at camp, and they're celebrating victory. Probably had a nice barbecue, you know, just celebrating victory and, and talking about how God worked, how, well, let me go here, talking about how Gideon led them in victory to defeat the Amalekites. And, and, and if you're like human like they probably were, you can hear them saying things like, man, did you see how the king of Midian was running when we were pursuing him? Where is he now? He, he, he's not as bad as he set himself up to be, right? You can hear them having these conversations and these dialogues about, about what just happened, how, how they defeated the Midianites, how they did all that stuff, and now they're celebrating thinking that they're in charge. So the first order of business in the mind of the Israelites, since they just had this momentous victory in this battle that they just fought, is we need to make sure this doesn't happen again. And so I have a suggestion. Somebody said, being the good Baptist folk that they were, I'd make a motion. <laughs> Church polity, you know, they got to have that. Yeah, yeah. i make a motion and, and I nominate Gideon to be our leader. Not only do I nominate Gideon, but I want to make sure we have a good succession plan in place. I want to nominate him, and when he dies, I'm going to nominate his sons. And when his sons die, I'm going to nominate his grandchildren because I want to make sure this never happened again. Do I have a second? You know? <laughs> and, and, and that was probably the conversation. I'm making light of it, but something was going where they said, we need to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So they try to put some things in place to position themselves. So let, let, let's read, go with me to, to chapter 8. Let's read, and then I want to walk through this, and then we're going to talk. To look with me at verse 22 and 23. Let's just look at those first two verses, and if you're there, say amen. Okay. Notice what it says. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. Come on, say rule over us. And now, I wasn't anybody. Everybody say, say rule over us. Now, watch this. You, your sons, your, and your grandson, because you have saved us out of the hand of Midian. I hope y'all see what I just saw. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you, and Yahweh, or the Lord, will, masal is the Hebrew word, will rule over you. Let me read that again. The Israelites said to Gideon, they're making that motion, rule over us. You and let's set up this dynasty, your sons, your grandson, because you have saved this out of the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. And then he says this emphatically, the Lord will do what? Rule over you. Put the first point on the screen. I want you all to see this. I just got three simple things that I want you to get in your spirit. Now watch this. Number one, be extremely careful. Listen to me, church. 
of redirecting credit for your deliverance from God to the wrong person. Come on, come on, come on. Turn to the person next to you real quick. Just look at them dead in the eye and tell them this. Say, person, you're not going to get credit for what God did. Yeah, come on, look, at the, look the other way. Tell the other one. Say, other person, you're not going to get credit for what God did. Very, very important that you not miss this, okay? Now, a couple of things for you to understand in the text. Remember with me the concern with God in choosing Gideon and using the, the, the people of Israel to go engage the Midianite was that he was concerned, um, chapter 7, that they would take the glory for what he was about to do. Come on, y'all know this. Hence, Gideon showed up with some 30,000 plus people, and God said to them, that's too many people for me to fight with. And so he reduced the number from some 22 went home. He said, those that are afraid, go ahead and go because I can't use you because of fear. And the numbers were reduced, yet and still God said to Gideon, you still have too many people. I want you to reduce it even more. But the instruction there was you take them down by, by the water, and I'm going to do the separating, okay? Now, now the tribe ended up with, the, 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 the army ended up with about 300 people left that God used to do what God wanted done. Because, remember with me, he did not want them taking credit for what he did. Come on, say amen. And, and I need to say this parenthetically, God will not share his glory with anyone. Come on. Doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how well you can sing, how well you can preach. It doesn't matter how many times you pray. It doesn't matter how holy you are. God will never share his glory with you because he's not going to set anything up to compete with him for who he is. Come on. Do I have a witness here this morning? He's going to be God all by himself. The moment God starts to share his glory, you're going to stop going to him and I'm going to stop going to him because I'm going to fool myself into thinking that I'm God. <laughs> oh, do I have anybody here this morning? I want you all to walk with me. So, 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 so here, here's what they said to Gideon. Look at the text again. They said, Gideon, rule, verse 1, rule over us, you and your grandson. And here's the reason you need to rule, Gideon, is because you. <sighs> You did this thing, Lord Jesus. You, Gideon, have saved us out of the hand of Midian. And look at verse 23. But Gideon told him, I will not, and look at that word again. What's the word? Rule over you, nor will my sons. Look at the word again. Do what? Rule over you. And then look at the next phrase. The Lord will do what? That word is repeated multiple times within the confines of two verses, which lends me to believe it's a pretty important word that we need not overlook this issue of rulership. Now, let me give you some historical cultural information to track with me. Understand with me at this time in the text, Israel had no king. It was a theocratic nation, meaning that God was their king. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Y'all know this. They were not like, understand with me, understand with me. And you're going to appreciate Samuel in the subsequent books after I said this. Understand with me. After the Israelites were defeated, 
that, that Gideon pursued, and then the tribe of Ephraim captured the princes, which was the heir apparent to the throne of the tribe of Midian, or the next in line to be king. They captured their princes, and they defeated them, and then Gideon pursued their two kings, and what's striking about the text is that he captured their kings, and then he killed them. Now, the beauty of Israel not having a king is there's no king to catch to kill. <laughs> Are you with me? And the reason God wants to stay king in our lives is because as long as he's on the throne, nobody can capture him. Nobody can catch him. Nobody can defeat him. Nobody can take him off the throne. I wish I had somebody in here. So, so he says, as long as you stay Israel, a theocracy or a theocratic nation with me in charge, everything's going to be all right. The problem is, is when you place a capturable person in my place, when you place somebody that humanistically speaking can be defeated, you're in trouble. So Gideon, rule. <laughs> that word rule is interesting. Masal is the Hebrew word. And, and it's not the Hebrew word malak. Malak means king. So they weren't really asking him to be king. Very, very important that you not miss this. What they were saying to him what you just did was so momentous. We want to make sure it never happens again. So we need to vote you into a spot so you can keep performing. You can keep doing. Verse 22, you delivered us from the hand of Midian, not God. So let God stay where God is. Matter of fact, he's been silent for a whole long time, hence our subjection to the Midianites and to all these different tribes. So, so since you acted like you were God and you did better than God has ever done for us, not realizing that the only reason Gideon was able to do what Gideon did was the Spirit of the Lord had empowered him. You see, had they known God, they would not have missed that little fact. The reason you and I want to give credit to others is because we don't know God like that. And we fool ourselves into thinking it's people. Come on, y'all. Say it, man, if you're with me. So, 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 Gideon, rule, perform. We want to put you in a spot where whenever we need something done, miraculous, we can go to you. <laughs> so that word, Masal, is more of a performance-based word than it is a kingship or a hierarchical type of word. And what the, world, the word rule means, it, it, it means to lead, it means to direct, it, it means to control, it, it means to, to have authority. It, it, and it's not king. I want you to be clear about that because God was their king. And I think they had some semblance of understanding of that, but they didn't know how to access God. So Gideon, we need to put you in a spot. This is free. No different than when Moses went up to the mountain and the Israelites came to Aaron and said, we need something to take the place. Are you with me? So rule. Come on, say rule. Say it again. Say rule. So, 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 so here's the thing. Be extremely careful of redirecting credit for your deliverance from God to what? The wrong person. Because here, here's how I said it, and I hope you didn't miss this. Had they realized that any performance that Gideon did was not based on who Gideon was. 
Remember with me, when God first called Gideon, here is his response. I am the least, my tribe is the least in Manassas, yet and still God refers to him in his created purpose and destiny, mighty warrior, meaning that I created you to be more than you are, but let the record reflect, when I use you, it's not you, it's me working through you. By way of application, I love, I love our president. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate him. I appreciate all the accomplishments that he has made. Matter of fact, I fought so he can. No, I'm just kidding. But let's not make the mistake of crediting him for what God is doing in the earth. Come on, do I have at least two witnesses here? Great guy, great model, great person, doing a lot to help folk that are less fortunate, all that good stuff in spite of areas where I may disagree with his leadership style and, and his theology, and in spite of all of that stuff, good, good person, but let's not make the mistake of crediting him for doing what God is doing. Are, are you with me? Let me go one step further. When God does what God is going to do in the earth realm, don't make the mistake of locking into the creation and missing the creator. Oh, come on, y'all. I mean, we, we, it's so easy for us to do because when our favorite song is sung, it's natural for us to stand up and wave a few handkerchiefs and say, sing girl or sing dude. And the moment the person gets off the platform, we run up to the creation and we say, perform, good job, keep performing. I wish I had somebody here performing for us. And we miss the fact that it was God working in them. It was God who gifted them. And, and, and we'll take one second to God be the glory while the song is going on, but when the song ends, we forget all about God and we focus on the vessel. I wish I had somebody in here. Ah. If, if this vision is to be realized, and it will, don't you dare make the mistake of saying our pastor. I want y'all to hear me. But for God, I am no different than the homeless person out on the street. But for the grace of God, you and I are no different than the drug addict that's out there struggling. But for God, you and I are no different than the prostitute that's on the street. All we are are vessels to be used by God. Don't make the mistake of allowing the glory of God to rest on you and stopping like it's all about you. Transfer, give it to him. Give it to him, give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. Nothing special about this church. So if you're going through some dynamic, some struggle, some, some difficulty in life, and the church helps you, don't make the mistake of saying, oh, that church, they just helped me. No, 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 no. The church was a vessel. God helped you. <sighs> because when we make the mistake of trying to share in the glory of God, our heads can't fit through the door. <laughs> Are you with me? It can't seem to get through the door anymore. So, so be careful, guys, of redirecting credit for your deliverance, for God working in you, to the wrong person. Don't, don't let it rest there. I, gotta, I have to believe this. Don't let it rest here. Are you with me? To God be the glory. Come on, say amen.
to God be the glory. Because folk might not know God the way they ought to know God, and they'll mistakenly think that, that, that you have become God to them. And then they will make a motion. I make a motion that you continue to perform for us. Because when I see you, I see God. The growth is to move out of the way so they can see God for themselves. Come on, are you with me? Come on, come on, it's just making sense. Now, now, secondly, secondly, Gideon was cool. Here's what he said, verse 2. Gideon told him, I will not continue to perform a rule over you, nor am I going to let my sons um, or their grandchildren. And then he says, Yahweh will masal. The Lord will rule over you. Okay, second point that I'm going to read. Let me read first. Look at, look at verse 24, and this is a lot of reading, all the way through 27. Let me read it, and I'll take my time to deal with it. You guys are there? And he said, to, and he said verse 24, I do have one request, though. Interesting. It's always scary to me that when you follow up, God's going to rule with, but I have one thing. always concerned about that. I have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. And then parenthetically, most of your translation has this. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. Now, let me, let me clarify that before I go on. It's not saying that the people of Israel were wearing gold earrings, although there's nothing wrong with it. I seriously thought about wearing one this morning, but then I really did, but, but I don't have a hole in my ear, so. <laughs> so I <laughs> to drive the point home, but I'll leave that alone. The Ishmaelites, remember they were the offspring of this Hagar thing, you remember that, right? Which were the results of the Midianites, okay? So the word Ishmael is just another way of using the word the Midianites. So when the Israelites captured the Midianites, they took all their stuff, is what they're saying, okay? And so he says, give me some of the stuff that you took from the people you just defeated, okay? And it said they had earrings in verse 25, and they answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each man threw a ring from his plunder onto it. And then he, that was a huge offering. That was a huge, I mean, verse 26. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains that were on the camel necks. So if you, if you work that out, that's like about 40-something pounds worth of gold. That's a lot of gold. Come on, y'all. That's a whole lot of stuff. Verse 27. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, parenthet, uh, comma, his town, period. I like the ESV here. Um, NIV says, all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. The ESV um, is a little harsher. They whored after. 
I like that word better. It's just more gross, you know. And <laughs> it it drives prostitute is nice. Whore is like cussing somebody out. Come on, y'all. Let's just go there for a moment. Because I want you to understand the graphic nature of what the author is trying to communicate. Prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And watch this. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Read that again. Verse 24. And he said to them, I have one request. That each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Israelites to wear gold earrings. Verse 25, they answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each man threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked uh, for came to 1,700 shekels, about 47 pounds, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, the purple garments worn by the king of Midian, and the chains um, that were on the camel's necks. Verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves a horde after the ephod by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Now, let me say this for the record. At this stage in the game, Gideon is innocent. Gideon is not doing anything malicious. And Gideon has no ill intent in what he's doing. You guys heard me, right? Gideon is doing nothing wrong intentionally. He is not trying to defect the people from God. I need to say this carefully. He's not trying to turn them away from God. He is doing nothing with ill intent. All Gideon is doing is he's trying to respond to the Israelites when they say, you rule over us. He says, no, God's going to rule over you. And then he's trying to set up the mechanism so God could rule over them. Because he don't want it coming to him. Are you with me? Now, second point. Let's go to this. Watch this. Be extremely careful. That word should be redirected. It's a typo. Of redirecting the object and place of your worship from God to unauthorized entities and locations. Let that get in your spirit for a while. Be extremely careful of redirecting the object and place of your worship from God to unauthorized entities and location. Let's go to the text. Just jump all the way down to verse 27 and keep your eye on it as we kind of work through this. He made the goal into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town, and all Israel whored after it or prostituted themselves by worshiping it in this location and because of that, it became a snare. That word snare, it created problems. It created heartaches. It created difficulties. It reaped havoc to the life of Gideon and his family because he didn't expect what just happened. Okay? Now, let me, let me back up. He, he took the gold and he made an ephod. 
Now, here, here, here's what you need to understand about the ephod. If you were to read the book of Exodus chapter 28, um, you, you'll hear God giving Moses specific instructions on how to erect or set up the cultic worship systems for the Israelites. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The ephod then was a vest that God instructed to be created with specific intricacies. This is why Gideon needed the gold, because the ephod were to be made of gold thread. So it's not saying so much that he placed gold on it, but that he had to melt the gold down for him to sew and put the buttons and to put everything in place because the ephod had to be a specific way with a specific um, um, a design because God gave specific instruction because here's the second thing, once the ephod was created, the next thing you did with it was you placed it on the high priest, and the ephod on the high priest contained what's called the urim or the thummim, and these were oracular devices through which God would speak through the priest to the people. Are you with me? So, so when you look at ephod in the Old Testament, the priest would always wear this thing. And, and whenever you wanted to have access to God, you can go to the priest because in the Old Testament, God really didn't reside within individuals. Only the, Le the Levitical or the priesthood tribe had access to God. Come on, y'all know this, right? And, and so, 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 so here's problem number one. Gideon was a warrior, not a priest. So, even though he's delivered, he still has some of who he used to be left in him. You need to hear this because even though you and I have been delivered in us, there's still some of who we, oh, come on, y'all, come on, come on, come on. Who, who we used to be left in us. That's why when we get upset, here's what we say, girl, don't let me lay my religion down. I ain't been saved all that long. 40 years ain't that long now. <laughs> Are you with me? And, and, and we're quick to want to take off what God has done or undo all the work that he has done so we can let people see who we used to be. So he makes this ephod. And understand with me, the design of the ephod is to rest on a priest. Now Gideon, mind you, is deflecting um, praise from himself and trying to give it directly to God. So there is no priest in his tribe. There is no priest in his family line. So he has to construct something to place this ephod on. I wish I had somebody in here. Y'all, oh, y'all. So when the people come, they're not accessing Gideon, they're accessing the ephod with this thing. Doesn't it look like the thing that God said to him, tear down a while back? Come on, are you with me? Because what he's really doing is setting up the very thing that God had delivered him from in chapter 6. And in essence, he's creating another Baal. I wish I had somebody in here innocently. It's not malicious. It's not ill-intended. But he's doing who he used to be. Oh, don't act like you hadn't done it. <laughs> don't act like you hadn't done it. Because I know I have. Are you with me? 
the very thing God brought me out of, I find myself replicating. Are you with me? Come on now. The very thing I fasted and prayed for deliverance from. I find myself, come on, don't act like it's just me. Don't act like you hadn't been there. I wish I had somebody in here. So, so he is creating now an unauthorized entity for worship. Secondly, he takes the thing to his hometown. The author says he places it in Ophrah because he thought his daddy was still pastor. You got to watch the whole series to get that piece. Worship was designated for the priests. And in the Old Testament, the location of worship was the temple. If you know the Old Testament tribal systems, the temple is not in Ophrah. <laughs> this booger is relocating the place of worship to where he wants it to be because he built the thing that he wanted people to have access to God to. Are you guys getting this? Now, now let, me, let, me, let me help you all with this because you're probably saying, where is he going with this? Well, in the New Testament, here's a mistake we make as a church. We, we misconstrue the theology of the priesthood right of the believer by saying, God lives in me, I'm a priest. Sure enough, true. But then the mistake we make is because I'm a priest, we relocate the place of worship to our homes, and then we create this theology. I don't need the church no more. Because <laughs> I can worship at home all by myself because I place the ephod on me. I know you don't want to hear this, and I have access to God all by myself. Well, True in a sense, but you by yourself is not the church, baby. Are you with me? <laughs> and last I checked, Scripture still says, forsake not the assembling of yourself. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, there is giftings within the church, namely 411, the apostle, the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and for the equipping of the saints. Let me get grandma. Lesson, you got all those gifts wrapped up in you by yourself, and you've got all the members trapped in you all by yourself, then sure enough, you is a church. Excuse the grammar, but last I checked, we still need each other, and the church is the solution for the problems of the world today. So whenever we make the mistake of relocating God's designed place of worship, ah! not saying you can't worship at home, but that's personal. That's individual. That's not corporate. I wish I had somebody in here. That's where you get your one-on-one -on -one with God. But God didn't gift you for you. He gifted you for somebody else. Be careful, be careful, be careful. 
of putting on the ephod and then relocating it. Ha! Because I know a whole lot of us have been guilty of that. I don't need you and you don't need me. It's just me and God. Well, quit fooling yourself because you're not the only authorized. Remember with me, Gideon was not doing it maliciously. In innocence, in innocence, he built an ephod because that's how God spoke. But he had to construct a priest to place it on, and he didn't realize he's relocating the place of worship. <laughs> Look at the result. That thing caused problems for Gideon. Because notice what happened. Anybody who wanted to access God now had to move from where God had specifically instructed them to go. To go over to Gideon's place. And he ended up worshiping the thing, not the God of the thing. Here's Gideon. What in the world did I just do? That's his innocence. Because it was not his heart. It was not his intent to detract people. And here's all the showing off priests. Now, granted, the priests weren't acting right. Granted, they weren't behaving well. Granted, they weren't all of that, but they were still God's priests. Ah, there's a word in that. They were still his chosen. They were still his called out. Y'all don't get upset with me. But the supreme, the justices of the Supreme Court are not priests authorized to wear the ephod of God. The White House is not the location of the place <laughs> of worship. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me? As long as the Old Testament word, the kahal, or the congregation, the New Testament word, the ecclesia of called out people assemble themselves. Last I checked, Scripture says, if one can put a demon to flight... Ah, two can, come on, y'all know the scripture. In the word of Bill Hybels in his book, Courageous Leadership, the church is still the solutions to all the problems in the world. Don't relocate the church. Don't put the ephod on the wrong thing. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Yeah. Innocently, innocently, Gideon, he didn't mean to. Are you hearing me this morning? He did not set out maliciously to redirect all of this. But in his innocence, he created problems for himself. And if the church makes the same mistake, we will bring a snare on ourselves. on our families, on our children. Here's how it plays out for those of you with little kids. Baby, you ain't got to come today. Just stay home. And your child grows up. 
And it's not his cultural norm to come to the place of worship. So his new paradigm is, I can wear the ephod and I can relocate the location whenever I want because God is with me. And he has no connection with the body of Christ, he or she. And their value system is completely different from those who are used to going to the place of worship. Are you hearing me? Look at the shift in our culture. There's a Gen X or, uh, or not Gen X, the millennials and those underneath. Their value system is completely different from people of yesteryear. It's okay to do this. What's wrong with being in a same-sex relationship? What's wrong with cohabitation? What's wrong with this? It's because they have relocated the place of worship and placed the ephod on the wrong thing. And they're suffering the snare. Are you hearing me? I am concerned at my core for the next generation. To be honest with you, as a leader, I wake up in nightmares saying, God, how do we reach tomorrow's church? Because you figure that child that's born today is going to tell you same-sex marriage is okay. Because they know no different. You ever try to convert somebody who grew up in Mormonism? It's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. I'm not saying hate people. Please hear what I'm saying. I'm just saying let the church be the church. Don't replace the ephod. Don't change the location. And we do it innocently. That's the message. Are you hearing me? Here's what happens, and I'm done. Look at the rest of the text. Look at, look, how, look at how it ends. <laughs> Verse 28, thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise his, his head again during Gideon's lifetime. The land enjoyed peace for 40 years. It's a season of rest. Verse 29, then Jeroboam, son of Joash, went back home to live. He had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. Bless his heart. Don't know how he did it. I got one that I'm praying through. Um, <laughs> and it says his cousin, he even had girlfriends, Lord Jesus, who lived, oh, and she was across the way in Shechem and bore him a son who he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age, and he was buried in his tomb, in the tomb of his father Joash, in Ophrah of the Abijahites. 33. No sooner had Gideon died. Then the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. And they set up Baal Berith as their God, and watch this, and did not remember the Lord their God, who rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. And they also failed to show kindness to the family of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, for all the good things he has done for them. That is a sad ending to a powerful story. Matter of fact, it's a sick ending to a good story. After all God did, 
moment the leader leaves, because of what they had innocently constructed and done, when he goes off the scene, they revert back or revert back to who they were and what they used to do. Last point. Put the last one on the screen. I'll talk. Number three. Whenever we direct, redirect praise and worship to the wrong object, it always results in abandonment from God. You want to see the next generation not know who God is? Compromise. Compromise. And we see it happening. I'm scared. I have grandchildren. I have generations that's following me. You have the same thing. What will that look like? Is the writ in their history going to be, and that generation strayed and followed after the cultural norms, and they didn't remember God? But we're busy having church. Annual days and musicals and pastor's anniversaries and deacon days and usher's days. And we have no impact. This may sound shocking to you and I've said it before. But sinners are supposed to sin. We have an obligation to point them to God. Lovingly. Are you hearing me? Not being critical, not being hateful, not being condemning. I'm not saying hate. I am not saying condemn those in same sex. I'm saying love them through their stuff because I, I still reflect on John 3.16. Here's how it says, God so loved the world. Man, in, in this ruling, that thing kind of jacked up my theology a little bit because what it really says is God loves the worst of sinners just like he loves me. So that means I've got to love them too, just like God loves them. Are you, you get what I'm saying? And, and here's the funny part. You can't impact a relationship you're not a part of, so I can't separate myself and expect to have impact. <laughs> That's love. Man, we got a lot of growing to do. So I want to pray, and I want us all to pray. If you're like me, this is me, and then I'm done, then we're going to communion. If, if you're like me, this week, um, y'all heard Dayron, him, Vonda, and myself, and Katana, we were at this missions conference just like, Lord Jesus, forgive us, forgive us. We did like 50 times because the church is supposed to have impact, it's supposed to have impact, impact. And we get caught up doing church and we forget about the people we're called to. So a prayer of repentance is in order, do you think so? That we just got to say, God, God, forgive us and give us a second chance. And teach us how to love like you love. It's, it's in order. So bow your heads with me as the worship team comes. Jeroboam. As we bring an end to this series, be cautious of taking glory from God and placing it on the wrong person. Be cautious of redirecting 
the object in worship to the wrong location. Thirdly, because when that happens, we redirect people from God. So I just need you to bow your heads where you are and in your own way as we play softly. We want God to be God in our life. That we give ourselves away, Lord. God, forgive us, Lord, for laying dormant and allowing culture to dictate to us next steps. Proactivity says that we go out into the world and establish your kingdom in earth as it is in heaven. But we're too busy waiting to get to heaven, Lord, and forget the fact that you've left us here to do something. We don't want to be guilty of the innocent sins, frailty of Jeroboam, Gideon. We don't want to bring a snare upon ourselves. So in all of our lives, we do a self-evaluation introspectively. Our homes, places of worship, places of work, we re-evaluate why we're there. So God, as we prepare to come to this stable, Reconsecration is in order, God. The church were effective. Maybe that young man in South Carolina could have been prevented. All the crimes and the gang violence, and we react to. But nobody is going out evangelistically to reach a lost and a dying world. Let's save the gang member and bring him to a relationship with you before he shoots his next victim. Let's reach God. That person that's contemplating, am I male, am I female, with the love of God before they make the decision, God, to cross over. Let's be proactive. Impact. Impact. Let's affect our community, God with the love of God, such that while they're contemplating, they would come and ask, what does God have to say about this? And prayerfully, the decision would be a Godward adjustment. So God, we repent, God. And as we prepare to come to the table, God, we give ourselves to you again and invite you to be God in our lives. So thank you for your word. Continue to move, Lord. In your name we pray. Come on, stand to your feet.